Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 213. It's made possible this week by Squarespace, Linode, and PayPal. I am your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined as I am every single week. That's not actually true. Most weeks, it's the three of us. It's not true at all. Uh, I've got Mike Hurley. Ciao, Stephen. And I have <laughs> Federico Vitici. Hey, guys. Hey, Stephen. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, ciao, Mike. Why? Ciao. Why the sudden influx of uh, of Italian in your? Because I just I was in Rome, mm. baby. I was in Rome all weekend so with Federico Vitici. Basically, one the day, greatest guide. Basically, one day Mike just texts me and I'm like, "Hey, I'm in Rome," and he just he just showed up. And I was like, I'm at the airport. I don't know what to do. I don't know where come to go. Come collect me. <laughs> please, please come save me. <laughs> come get me. Uh, I was in Rome. We spent a long weekend in Rome. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw the bakery. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't go in the bakery. Mm-hmm. Every time we were at the bakery, the bakery was closed. Yeah. But I saw it. I saw that it exists. You saw the sign. I saw the sign. I know where it is. I can picture it. It's a yellow building. That's that's as much, uh, you know, OPSEC and all that stuff. I'll, I won't give it away so people steal your bakery um i have i've had federico prepare me espresso mm-hmm. i've had i've seen federico make espresso uh i ate some of the greatest food i've ever eaten in my entire life in rome my god that that oh my god there was a tiramisu <laughs> you're still thinking about the tiramisu <laughs> i'm still thinking about that tiramisu it was so good um and yeah we had a really great time federico showed me the sights uh, i put some pictures on my instagram we went to the coliseum it was very nice. It was very, very nice. Uh, I have a question about the bakery situation. Yeah. So you said every every time you went, it was closed. Is it possible yes. that the bakery is somehow monitoring where Federico is? And when he gets within a certain radius, they put the closed... They clo- just pull the they, shot they, Yeah, down. they pull the, the close <laughs> sign out, and they hide They hide behind the counter, like holding their breath that he walks by without coming in. They made a shortcut. They have some like home automation-like stuff, you know? And then whenever he comes near, they just... They, they they put a uh, what a, a beacon in his shoe an eye beacon and whenever he comes near it just just closes up. Didn't you see though the one one day one, the few nights ago when when I took you guys back to the hotel we saw that the light was was on inside because the guy mm-hmm. was making bread and pizza for the morning after so they're definitely inside uh, I don't know what they're closing when I'm around honestly I think it was just late like uh, one day was a Sunday and they don't work on Sundays and then it was just late in the evening and they like to mm-hmm. they like to close early uh, because they wake up early so it kind of makes sense um, but yeah it was fun. I mean, as a as someone who lives in Rome, I was actually telling Mike about this. Um, we don't usually go to the center of Rome uh, because it's a whole thing to plan. You need to park your car and walk a few kilometers, and it's a whole. I have in my lifetime. I've been to many of the biggest cities in the world. I live in London. I visited New York. I visited San Francisco. Memphis. You've been to Memphis, Paris, Memphis, all the big hubs. <laughs> the center of Rome is the busiest place I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Yeah. The concentration of people to space is untenable. It's bonkers there. It's really wild. I don't think that there's necessarily more people. There's just way less space for the people that are there. I was very taken aback by that. Yeah, the narrow the narrow streets and uh, you know people parking everywhere, and those are just people with permits to drive cars mm-hmm. in the center of Rome. Imagine if they let if they would let anybody drive a car there. It would be it would be uh, just a, an incredible mess. Uh, but yeah, we don't often go to the Colosseum. I think it's actually since I moved here 
in Rome four, five years ago. This is the first time I've actually gone to the Colosseum uh, without. Yep. You without... haven't been there since the big blogger fight that happened in the Colosseum a few years ago, right? Yes, that you was. Vowed a... You'd never go back. Yeah, yeah. There was the the um, blogger <laughs> blogger fights. Uh, there's the emperor of tech meme that's stand, yep. standing and you know doing the thing with the thumbs up and the thumbs down. They go tip up or tip down. <laughs> they got the they got the tip up and you're raised. <laughs> Top of that <laughs> meme. Uh, and then you get pushed yeah. up or you get pushed down. Totally. If you get pushed down, uh, basically nobody cares about your blog posts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you just you walk away. You walk away so in, in, a, in, the in a parade days. of shame. You walk away like mm-hmm. that. This is the, yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen the Colosseum, but just driving around it because you can drive around the Colosseum. You could, there's a there's a road that people can, you know, power uh, sliding, power sliding around it. You, you, if you want, you can. The police is probably gonna arrest you, but you can try. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Uh, we walked with. Uh, we brought the dogs too, so we have photos of the dogs in front of the Colosseum, which was fun. Uh, Stephen, you're up next. Uh, when are you coming to Rome? Uh, this, I'm going to come by this afternoon, I think. I'll get cool. the, sh- I'll get the right. show up and I'll just... Cool. Uh, I'll Do you just prefer head... pasta or pizza for dinner? Uh, we'll see. We can figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> Gluten-free options. Yeah. The, uh, I have them. I actually have them. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so, Mike, did you experience the um, the 14 HomePods in Federico's house? There were. I saw three of them. The, the thing that is more, uh, is more intriguing in the Vitici household is the amount of cameras... <laughs> that there are yes um there are lots of cameras everywhere and it made me kind of i was thinking about something because you know it was kind of one of these things where i was checking my canary more than i do on any other trip just because the cameras were just more of a thing that i was seeing in my life i know that federico likes to monitor the movement of his dogs we don't need to do that so much because we don't have dogs but you know but it did i i was looking at my camera at one point and i thought to myself huh the Canary has that microphone functionality, right? So I tested it out and it worked. I was able to activate my HomePod via the speaker in my Canary. Whoa. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it in, in person. It actually works. I tried to do this with the Echo, like when when the Canary first got this stuff and it didn't work. But the HomePod is so much better at detecting it. So I was able to turn my lights on and off from Rome via the Canary's microphone thing. It was very cool. I, I don't know what I can do with this <laughs> newfound power that I have, but it's, you know, it's always in my back pocket in case I need it's it. A really wild Internet of Things Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But another thing is, so this was a, a piece of follow-up, and uh, this was kind of something that I had in the back of my head last week when we were talking about the fact that Federico refused to try a pop socket. I was thinking to myself, ha-ha, he won't have a choice when I see him next week. So I forced him to try my pop socket, uh, which is a very strange sentence, uh, on uh, my iPhone. And Federico, I th- I would say that I think I may have converted you. Um, I liked it. I definitely understand why you find it useful. Um, I think Sylvia is more convinced about it than I am. Yeah, she seemed she seemed very intrigued. Like she was like, "Ah, okay." Like, and I was kind of explaining why I like it and showing all the different ways I can hold the phone with it. And yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still not sure if I want to get one. 
um, primarily because I really like the idea of wireless charging at night. So just putting the iPhone on the ugly but functional Samsung charger that I have on my nightstand because I, I, have, I have a precedent for this, uh, which is when my iPhone used to charge via cable, um, and the cable was basically touching the floor. I have this um, plug on my on the right side of my nightstand, so I can plug in the uh, the charger. But then the cable touches the floor uh, unless I wrap it out, uh, wrap it around the nightstand, basically. And so last year, Ginger, uh, one of my dogs, was running. She ran into the cable, and with the cable also came the phone, and the phone basically shattered on the ground uh so i ideally i don't want to have cables that the dogs can run into and cause similar damage but also at the same time having tried the pop socket i do find it convenient and i do uh, I'm, i'm thinking about it uh, especially because I, I'm finding myself watching a lot of videos uh, at night on the access. Uh, oh, I just said access. Well, whatever mm-hmm. on the Max <laughs> at night and reading using the the phone at night in bed and having what you do with the holding the pop socket with your with your fist closed and like holding it in the like in between two fingers. I think that's really convenient. Um, so I'm thinking about it, but also I kind of want to wait for the new iPads and see if maybe having having the new I don't know 10.5 in a new lighter, more comfortable design. Maybe I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch to using that to read at night and watch videos. So we'll see. Keep us uh, keep us posted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frisbees. We have some frisbee follow up. Oh my god! So. Oh my god! This was like so many tweets about this. <laughs> I kind of got my my frisbee thing slightly wrong. I, I was on the right line, but just ever so slightly wrong. I mean, as wrong as you could be while still being partially right. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm fine with that. Basically, so there were many people that wrote in about this, including uh, Marco Arment, who says, uh, "Has anyone told you yet?" The answer was yes. Quite a few people that you confused Whammo, maker of the frisbee, with Aerobee, maker of the Aerobee flying disc. So. Aerobee make a frisbee that isn't a frisbee because frisbee's a brand name. Aerobee make their own frisbee like thing, right? Called the Aerobee Flying Disc. They're also they're the company that makes Aeropress. So they make stuff like frisbees, not frisbee. So I was, I'm looking at pictures. This, this is a frisbee, like I, I, right. That's what I mean. But like frisbee <laughs> is a brand, okay. right? Like Kleenex right. and Hoover and stuff like that, right. uh, and Google. Um, but it's one of those brands <laughs> that gets turned into like a word, yes. you know, like that a, gen- like a generic uses. product, like an iPod exactly. when it was not an iPod, but just an MP3 player. Bingo. Mm-hmm. But so I was close, but just got the company slightly wrong. But then as a, just a, an interesting tidbit, uh, listener Brian responded to this thread to say AeroPress is now an independent company because the Aerobee brand and toy line was sold off to a company called Spinmaster. That's a good um, name. And, mm-hmm. The founder of Aerobee kept Aeropress and created its own company. So the Aeropress is now a, a company of its own, and the Aerobee Flying Disc is now owned by Spinmaster. Spinmaster is a good name. I feel like mm-hmm. Spinmaster should be the title of the head of Apple PR. I'm a Spinmaster. Uh, I can spin stories however I want to. Um, spin good... is not a good term for PR, though. It's, it's got negative connotations. <laughs> I, I know, right? Not... <laughs> but you... you can you can offset that though if you spell master with a Z in the middle of it. What if you also <laughs> put general at the end? Spin master general. Spin master. Oh, 
I like it that. It just sounds cool. Mm-hmm. That's good. So there's that. Uh, Federico, you have some follow-up about red envelopes. Yes. Uh, turns out that a bunch of people were in, uh, sending us links and confirmation that red envelopes are, in fact, used for weddings no, too. No, no, no. Not in, in fact, also. You can't say in fact. For wedding, is, they are I also said for used. For weddings too, in addition mm, to mm, uh, mm. New, new Year's celebration. Okay. Uh, so during the tea ceremony, for the traditional Chinese wedding, there's a, a moment when uh, gifts are exchanged, and usually people, and this is a extremely brief summary of this post that listener Dave sent, um, basically uh, people put money in these red envelopes that they give to the groom mm-hmm. and the bride, uh, and that's the gift. So the gift is a red envelope with money. C- could be a red envelope with money, but that's a tra- traditional thing that people do. There's pictures in the link that you will find in the show notes. Mike, what are the show notes? Can, what, what, what? Show notes are more of an idea, they're more of a concept <laughs> than <Okay>. a reality. <laughs> But but if that, you... They're useless then. The <laughs> listeners shouldn't use the show notes. They're just an idea. They're all in your mind, man. Okay. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, have you <laughs> have you fixed your droppler? The, the, dro- droppler. Nope. This is such a terrible name. No. I've not fixed my droppler problem. Mm. There, It doesn't really seem like that there are a lot of really competitive solutions. It seems like Dropshare, which was the one we mentioned last week, is the only... One that is almost slightly like what I'm looking for because it is very similar to Dropler. Um, and it actually does have a plan that you, you know, you, you can give them money or you could just use their applications with your own storage solutions. Um, so I am going to probably switch to Dropshare, but ultimately all I really want is for Dropler to just fix their iOS app, right? That's like all I really want because I'm already a paid paying customer of Dropler. Like I have a lifetime account, which I bought from some, it was like included in some like package deal thing once, mm. you know, you get like, here's five productivity apps for $99 and one of the reasons I did it was because I got a lifetime mm. account for like $20 or something silly like that. Um, and so I don't really want to have to switch to something where I now need to pay every month because I already have this thing and it used to work for me so good, but now they changed their app and it sucks, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm probably just going to have to move to Dropshare. I think about these lifetime accounts, right? Uh, because I also I also have a bunch of these lifetime accounts, probably with Feedly, the RSS service. And I... Like every time I I see these lifetime accounts, it kind of makes me sad, and it makes it's me not good. Like yeah, I until, don't, I don't like, think it's a good thing. Like until I die, I have to to use oh. Fiddly and <laughs> Dropler because that wasn't how I was thinking of it. But sure, that you no, it's like it makes me think about it makes me think about mortality, like lifetime accounts of so forever. <laughs> um, I'm entitled to using this service. Like it makes you think, man. That's what I'm saying. It's um, you know. Like until like when I'm eighty years old, uh, will I still be checking RSS feeds and nine to five Mac and and okay? I mean that's uh you know, it's a it's something. It's in a it's a big. It, it makes me feel bad about my lifetime Evernote account. Well, there's not much left in it though, right? You have a lifetime <laughs> Evernote account? No, oh. I don't. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Jopler, uh, fix your iOS app for Mike, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
This episode of Connected is brought to you by PayPal. With PayPal, you can open your doors to over 250 million active account holders. Let me tell you a story about a PayPal customer who did just that. Waleed grew up in the desert of Saudi Arabia. After immigrating to the United States, Waleed wanted to share the health benefits of one of his favorite beverages from, from his hometown, camel milk, with the rest of the world. From the beginning, he counted on PayPal to help grow his business. While Happy Camels were what made his product so flavorful and nutritious, PayPal helped him increase conversion rates and turn his shoppers into buyers. Today, Desert Farms has over 80,000 subscribers around the world, and his customer base is growing every single day. When it comes to growing your business, PayPal is your payments partner for today and tomorrow. Visit paypal.com growth to set up a business account today. You can sign up for free today right now at paypal.com growth. Our thanks to PayPal for their support of this show and Relay FM. We have some news that I feel like the two of you uh, may be excited about. I don't particularly uh, care, but I want to share it with you all. Stardew Valley, which is apparently some sort of game. I like the way you say it. Like even the way that you say this stuff, it's like it's like you're somehow judging it. Like Stardew Valley. Like it just the way you said it, it was just like, you know, I'm judging you and I don't know why. No. I know it's extremely popular and they're bringing it the news is they're bringing it to iOS, which I think is pretty cool. So it's uh it's a port being done by an outside studio, which I, f- I don't know how these things normally work, but I found, found that interesting. This is okay. done all the time. This is done all the time. This is this is the nature of like you create a game for one platform and then you want to bring it to another platform. There are like specialty studios who make that happen for you. It's weird because it sounds like it would be a negative, but it's actually a positive because the company, because okay. actually Stardew Valley was developed by one dude and mostly still is. Um, wow. it, 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 they have he has a little bit more help now where need where it's needed. Is his name Stardrew? Stardrew. His name is Star Stardew Valley. He's a Star Stardew Valley. No, uh, the, the God is the guy's name. I was just talking about this recently. Uh, the guy's name is is it Star. No, is it Valley. It is Eric Barone. Well, goes by Concerned Ape is his like handle. Okay, um, online. But um, this is a big surprise because I straight up never expected that this game would come to iOS. Uh, it just felt like it was kind of like, well, if they haven't done it already, they probably never would. Um, it's on pretty much all the consoles now. Uh, the Switch port is really good. And they are bringing, again, I'm very surprised, the full game, except for the multiplayer stuff. So I am both excited and nervous Mm. because Stardew Valley will take every second you can possibly give it. It is one of those types of games. Um, So I have no idea what this is going to do to my life, but I assume it's just going to be the iOS game I play whenever I want to play an iOS game for a very long time. Like how threes is like I still play threes all the time, and I expect Stardew will will start to fill that role for me for sure. It's going to be uh, eight dollars, and uh, the blog post says that it is sort of been like rebuilt for touchscreen gameplay, but it is still like the same the same game. So yeah, it wouldn't be incredibly hard to rebuild this game for touchscreens because it was made for the PC, so everything is point and click. Right. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Right. So 
you know, they, they have, as long as they've done it well, like, I don't know how this is going to play on a phone. It will be really good on the iPad. You know, maybe if they do some resolution stuff, it would be good on the 10s Max. But, like, I think you're going to need a decent screen for this for it to be, like, really good. But you could play it on yeah. the iPhone. Um, I don't know if they – I really hope that they that it syncs on iOS versions. You can't you can't sync it to uh, your game on other platforms, but if you play on the PC, you can transfer your save data via iTunes. So I guess it's like you just drop the file in through iTunes, and it mm-hmm. will uh, it will transfer your save over, and then you can just continue from there. But it won't be it won't be syncing uh, to the other platforms. When I was a kid, I played a game, and you guys can help me remember the name of it. It was uh, we played it on the sixty four Harvest Moon, and it was Harvest, Harvest Moon. Moon? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I sunk a lot of time into that. As then a kid. you're going to love this because Stardew Valley was created because Harvest Moon got bad. Like okay. Eric Barone was a huge Harvest Moon fan, and the series kind of started to suck over time. So he created Stardew Valley. So if you enjoyed that, you'll probably like this. All right, I'm going to put it in my to do list to check it out. It comes out October 24th yep. in the iOS App Store. I'm very, very, very excited. I'm excited that it's coming to iOS. I'm not going to buy this one because I'm really not a Stardew Valley type of person. Have um, you played it? I don't remember. Did you play uh, it? I've seen, I've seen streams and videos. Uh, I don't think it's a game for me. Okay. Uh, I get bored with these types of games, um, usually. So, I, get, I, I mean, it looks fantastic. I'm super happy that it's coming to iOS. Um, just not a game for me. Uh, I can sort of get behind Animal Crossing, uh, but then again, I... I got addicted to Animal Crossing real bad 15 years ago on the DS, and like that was real bad. Like I was keeping an agenda for different days of the year and different chores that I needed to do during the day. Um, Like I I wasn't like I wasn't meeting up with friends anymore because I needed to catch fish or you know look after my garden. So I got real bad, and from that I sort of got burned and uh, tried to avoid these types of games as much as possible. Um, I don't feel a pull toward Stardew Valley. And I will probably try, uh, like when Animal Crossing comes out on the Switch, I'll I'll check it out for sure. But I need to take it easy because I I really don't want to end up like... 15 years ago was real bad. I got addicted to Nintendogs first and and then to Animal Crossing on the DS. My mom still remembers the dogs from Nintendogs. And every once in a while when I mentioned uh, the Nintendo, I'm playing with the Nintendo, she goes like, have you have you checked on the dogs? I mean, even 10 years later. And she makes me feel bad saying that the dogs are dead uh, oh, in the game. Oh, man, why does she do that to you? I don't know, she's terrible. Sometimes she, my mom, she does things like, I don't know, like so... so terrible comments to make me feel bad Nintendogs um, was basically a dog Tamagotchi on the Nintendo DS if you need a little bit of yeah, context and it was adorable because you yeah. could pet the dogs with the stylus, with the stylus um, yeah. yeah yeah. So th- I mean they're probably dead or well, they're probably super they, upset I would assume that they don't I don't think die they don't die because you but didn't you, play but you find them in really really bad shape mm-hmm. they don't look at you I think that's what I researched uh 10 years ago 15 actually maybe 13 years ago when i stopped playing the game i actually tried to make sure that they wouldn't die Mm. in the game so yeah it's a whole thing so i'm i try to avoid these types of games whenever i I understand your reservations now but then Mm -hmm. i will show you when we're on a plane next together (laughs) the game you showed me (laughs) you you showed me stardew valley already did i 
I I I watched you play Stardew Valley on Twitch. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I'm a yes, I'm aware okay. of <laughs> you playing the game. Just keep watching me play. You don't need to play. Just watch me instead. It's fine. He has a TV okay. dedicated to your Twitch stream. Actually, yep. Yep. yes. What's Mike doing today? All right. Up next, there is a report that Apple has acquired Danish computer vision startup Spectral. So, this company is pretty interesting. They have developed some technology using like. AI and neural networks and all the buzzwords you can think of to effectively make like green screen effects possible through a smartphone camera. So you it cuts out you from the background and then it can replace the background with with something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, seems like some pretty interesting technology. It seems to fit in maybe with what Apple's doing with AR and some other stuff. It made me think about iChat AV. So mm-hmm. back in the day, you could like uh, video conference with people and then you could, you basically, it, it made you like slide out of the frame so it could, it could capture the whole background and then it would put you like on a roller coaster or in the jungle or under the ocean. And it was very basic. And if you move too quickly, there was a lot of like image tearing and stuff, but uh now, with you know the technology we have today, and it seems like what this company was doing, Apple could do something like this, and it'd be pretty nice. Uh, I'm kind of excited about this. I could see this being a lot of fun. This technology is still available on the Mac in the form of Photo Booth, right? Yes. And I'm going to send you guys right now a picture that I just generated in Photo Booth uh, for your enjoyment, and you maybe see why... <laughs> They've mostly abandoned this technology at this point. I don't think it works very well. Oh no! <laughs> so did you did you move out of the frame like I told you to? Yeah, yeah. You have to move out of the frame, or it won't it won't work. So uh, right. I'll, I'll put that I, in the I'm show gonna, notes for people. I'm going to try I mean, it too. Uh, gotta, gotta hope the spectral is better than this. Uh, I like how there's a hole in your head. It's like very upsetting, isn't head? it? I, I think it a... doesn't like uh, my beard. I think that's what it's really upset with. More I think than it just else. doesn't like you in general. It's not just a beard. It is worth remembering, though, that Clips has this functionality. So my expectation yes. is that this this is probably a more advanced or maybe a a less bandwidth intensive version of this type of technology because my expectation is apple's buying this to either put it in facetime or put it in the iMessage camera uh, that they want to put this stuff in because wouldn't it be fun if you could put your an emoji into any like place in the world right like your, yeah, they must, your an emoji character is m- in paris or whatever they must have something that is that is superior to what what to what Apple is already doing with the True Depth system, uh, because that feature of Clips is and it's dependent on the True Depth um, sensors and camera array of the 10 and 10s. So um, they must have something that Apple seems to find convenient and possibly useful to integrate in the future. Uh, I mean, these features are always super fun if done well. And I think, you know, ju- uh, my experience with the, with the filters in, in Clips has been pretty awesome. I think they work pretty well. Uh, but I think it would be more interesting to see this technology applied to the rear-facing camera. Because right now, Clips, uh, these filters, these scenes, I think they're called, they use the true depth, so the front-facing camera. And I think it would be fun to have these sort of effects for just when taking pictures or when using the rear-facing camera. Steven, your image is better than mine. 
It's still not perfect, mm-hmm. but it's better, and you're wearing a cool yeah. T-shirt. Yeah, we'll we'll put those uh, both in the show notes. But yeah, I, I see yeah. what you're saying, yeah. Federico. Like, this could at least... Well, it could enable them to put it on other devices and or just make it better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in general. It's maybe less... Uh, because any time the true depth camera is used at length, the phone basically catches on fire. Yeah, it gets hot. Right. <laughs> like, it really doesn't like using that for a long period of time. Um, so, yeah, it's... How did this one come out, by the way? Because, like, did Apple announce it or did it just, like, someone updated their LinkedIn? No, it, oh, I so, think a, uh, a local newspaper had an article about it. So right, I don't think right, I don't okay. think at this point Apple's confirmed it. But this seems like very much an Apple-like company to buy. Right? Like, like, oh, yeah, Definitely. of course, that makes a ton of sense. Algorithms and cool engineers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like you see clips benefiting from it. You can see the AR stuff benefiting from it. This, this makes a, a lot of sense to me. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see if uh, some, you know, a WBDC or two from now, we see something that's like, oh, maybe that's what came from that Danish company. Talking about cool companies that Apple bought, there is a... FileMaker. Yes, we're going to talk about FileMaker. Yes. FileMaker is that independent company, it's, right? Uh, it's a wholly owned subsidiary. Subsidiary. Well, let me just say, let me back up one second. If we oh, were gosh. recording this podcast in 1994, Federico would be living his best FileMaker life. I would be six, first of all. Uh, you would be 20. <laughs> if we were this age in 1994, you would be a FileMaker wizard. Mm-hmm. Probably. I used to use Bento. Oh, yeah. me too, actually. Yeah, me too. Wasn't that a FileMaker product? It was. It was like uh, it was, It was. was like kind of like iLife or uh, iWork. You know, it's like numbers, pages, and then Bento? Uh, shruggy emoji guy? It didn't last very long. But yeah, I used it. Uh, we used to use it uh, at my Apple Authorized Service Provider to track like stock of stuff before we had like a fancy point of sale system. I used it for like six months and it was pretty good. Man, FileMaker, like their website is a lot more modern than I had expected it would be. Like it actually looks like a, a, a website Apple would make, like FileMaker.com. They are introducing the Workplace Innovation Platform, which I guess is good to know. Oh, finally. I've been waiting for that. But, like, all of the text and all of, like, the buttons and stuff. Uh, it, this is an Apple website. Like, this is... It looks like an Apple website, which wasn't what and I expected. And the animations hmm. and the buttons. Yeah, this is totally an Apple website. You can escape the work rut, work from anywhere, and bridge the gap. So that's good. It's important to, to bridge the gap. You can streamline your scattered information and inefficient processes. I'm, I'm always trying to do this that. This is what this show is all about, uh, scattered information. I bet there are a lot of companies that still have their basically their entire business in a FileMaker database. Well, I, yep. I, I can give you some examples. Uh, Home Depot or Nissan Motor. Um, Berkshire Hathaway, Costco, Panasonic. <laughs> I, wonder, you know? I thought you were just pulling these out of your brain. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually reading. <laughs> FileMakerStories.net. <laughs> Coming. Anyway, yes, uh... Shortcuts 2.1, the beta version, has been released. So this is, this is interesting because it shows that Shortcuts is being actively developed like throughout the year we would expect right that it's that the app is going to receive updates which now i think for me at least i mean probably this isn't an original thought but has answered the question of why is this not included in the os i think it's because it's going to be updated like an app would receive updates on a regular schedule and it appears at least for now that the that betas of this are going to be somewhat publicly available. You have to sign up on the developer website, mm-hmm. the same as with the 
uh, original shortcuts beta, but it 2.1 is now uh, out on the beta train. And Federico, can you give us a rundown of, of what is new? Sure. Um, in the f- in this first version, there's only one one major new feature, and the rest is just a bunch of bug fixes. So if you had problems with App Store actions, for example, um, you should you should see the fix in in the new version. Uh, Apple is also saying that the some of the clock actions, uh, the series suggestions for setting alarms, have been fixed. But we this weekend, Mike and I checked on his device running. Uh, iOS 12, not 12.1 beta, and those actions were not fixed. So it's unclear if maybe this this bug fix sort of slipped in the release notes, or maybe you need to have 12.1. The new feature, which was actually uh, announced and shown on stage at WWDC, but didn't make it to Shortcuts 2.0, the App Store release, is weather integration. So there's, uh, there's a a few actions now for checking the weather and getting forecasts from the Weather Channel, which is the data provider of the Weather app on iOS. Um, this is great because it, it now allows you to automate certain uh, weather-based shortcuts and routines uh, without having to use uh, an API like the Dark Sky API or third-party shortcuts like the excellent uh, Carrot Weather shortcuts. Um, you can get the weather for the current location. Of course, you can pass any any location you want to uh, to the weather action, so you can either get your current location and check the weather, or you can do things like uh, pass a specific address and check the weather for that location, or extract the location from I don't know a photo or from a contact card and check if you want. Uh, people have been asking me like, why would you want to extract the location of a photo and check the weather there? Um, maybe you're you're a blogger and you need to shoot uh, specific videos and uh, at certain locations and. It may be useful to check the weather there. Um, you can also get the details of, of what um, shortcuts returns from the weather app. Um, this means that you can extract individual data points. So you can say, I want to have a full forecast, or I just want to get the temperature, I just want to get the high and the low, or I want to get the humidity, or I want to get the rain chance. So all of these uh, individual details and data points can be extracted, and you can do stuff with them. Uh, it's easy to imagine how people may in the future do things such as, um, if it's raining, make my lights blue, or if it's sunny outside, make make them gold or something like that. So it will be interesting to see how people can integrate weather actions. I think that most of us are probably going to integrate them as part of our morning routines shortcuts. Uh, Everybody has a morning routine shortcut. And I think I'm going to swap the current solution that I have with uh, with this new weather weather summary, uh, which is faster and easier to use. Uh, I think there will be more betas for version 2.1. I hope that there's more coming, that this is not just the only feature. Um, one of my major complaints right now, in addition to the big missing features that maybe we can uh, talk about briefly in a in a minute, uh, my main problem is that one of the iCloud Sync features that was launched with Shortcuts 2.0, the ability to sync the order of shortcuts between devices is, is completely broken for me. Like it just plain doesn't work. Every time I enable that option, all my shortcuts get scrambled <laughs> on both devices. So it's been impossible to keep track of them. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing now is yep. I have iCloud Sync enabled because that works 
works well. But I disabled <laughs> the toggle for syncing shortcut order. So I'm keeping the same order, but manually on both devices. Well, uh, I, I just feel like sometimes the order of my shortcuts just changes. Like it just changes. Like, and I have no idea why it's happening. If you have that option enabled, you probably want to disable the sync shortcut order. Uh, because I that's didn't even what know there was an option. Yes, you need to go into... Yeah, there it is. Sync shortcut yeah. order. Disable. You want to disable that okay. and keep an eye on the beta. That is in the settings app, yes. by the way. I had no idea there was all this stuff yes. in the settings app. I didn't even know that, that there were settings for yes. shortcuts. Is is there any... Uh, do you guys have the frustration where it's sort of crashy? Like I have it if I go to edit something or if I'm rearranging, sometimes it'll just like bomb out to the springboard. Yeah, I had that a few times. It's a uh, it's I think it's one of the long-standing um bugs of workflow that in some shape or form also made it into shortcuts. Um sometimes when I'm trying to open and edit a long shortcut like the one that I did today for um, adding device frames to screenshots, um sometimes it crashes. Oh, that I love that device frames thing by the way. I was just playing around with it now while you were talking to see if I could get shortcuts to crash because I know it's doing a lot of crazy stuff. Oh, thank you. But I just found like a screenshot of beats music and i ran it through it and it put it in like an iphone 5 or something (laughs) (laughs) should be an iphone 6 because i don't support uh iphone 5 but yeah it it should work must be an iphone 6 but it's you know it was was something for home button yeah they all look the same to me now no it's a really clever uh let's actually talk about this for a second so you worked on this for a while i know that that imac uh is a screenshot of my my desktop um how does this work? So you are not supplying like sliced up images, right? You're doing this mathematically, or okay? How does walk us so, through this? So um, this shortcut it began as a way to add iPhone XS frames to iPhone XS screenshots, and now it can add uh, device frames to iPhones, iPad Pro, the 12.9, uh, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, the 5K iMac and the Apple Watch Series 4, the 44mm version. The way that it works is, you will see on Reddit, on Reddit and other blogs, um, similar shortcuts that uh, require you to manually install these frames, which are transparent PNGs, where you overlay the screenshot. That's basically what it is. Um, my shortcut... Um, takes a different approach. It doesn't require to require you to install uh, images in iCloud Drive, like these uh, Im- image templates. You don't need to install anything. You, do, you don't need to configure anything because the images are encoded inside the shortcut. And you may ask, how can you encode a file? Because shortcuts do not support uh, file attachments. And the trick is to use a base64 encoded version of the image. So you're turning an image into text. Um, This is like, I don't know, I can't fully wrap my head around the concept. The basic idea, the basic idea is that... I really struggled with this when he tried to explain this to me over the weekend. I was like, wait, an image is text? I don't understand. The idea would be that uh, there's some kind of algorithm that is able to turn files, file objects into binary representations uh, in text. Um, So 
I don't know fully the way that it works, but it's a it's a way to convert a file into a long string of text. And the algorithm later can take the string of text and recompose it, basically, in a way that it becomes the same file again. You can base 64 encode anything. You can encode text, you can encode links, you can encode images, even videos and zip documents or PDFs, whatever. Of course, the bigger the file, the longer the text string, and... Um, I mean, even just encoding the 5K iMac template, um, that just copying the text and pasting the text, it required a few seconds inside shortcuts because you're moving around this insanely long string of random gibber gibberish text. Like, it's insane how big it is. Uh, the entire shortcut, because of these long strings of encoded text, it weighs 10 megabytes. <laughs> a shortcut file is usually like an XML or actually plist file. It's a text file. It's a configuration file that you see as a visual thing in the shortcuts app, but it's actually a text document with a bunch of XML structure. Um, this one weighs 10 megabytes. So imagine 10 megabytes of text. Uh, it's a lot of text. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was fun to put together. It was fun to test the limitations of shortcuts. Um, this shortcut, it will not run inside Siri. It will not run from the widget. Uh, and it will not complete when activated from the extension. You can trigger it from those places. It'll just take you to the shortcuts app to continue and finish uh putting together the images. Uh, but I was able to create these insane, insane combinations of like five iPhones and two iPads and a bunch of Apple Watches, a MacBook Pro and an iMac. And it worked just fine. I was Just last night, I saved a 50 megabyte composite image from Shortcuts to the Photos app and it worked. In fact, I think it, it took it, it took longer to for the file to be saved to Photos than for the Shortcut to actually finish running. So that gives you the idea. And also, it's not every device yet, right? Like you're, you're kind of limited to some specific devices it's most of the modern devices that apple is selling so these images the, these templates they are the official apple ones and these are basically most of the official apple templates that you can find on the apple marketing website uh i think i of those devices i only lack support for the ipod touch and the macbook air but i really wanted to release it and like i i didn't want to waste you know time putting together <laughs> shortcuts for the yeah. for the MacBook Air. If I can come across old templates from Apple for the iPhone 5 and the 5S or the SE and old iPads, I will update the shortcut. But right now, I just wanted to support the same devices that Apple is supporting with templates. I didn't want to use templates from other people, not because I don't trust... Well, part of that because I don't trust them, just because I want to have an official thing that people... I have them know, all. Uh, because I save all the images from Apple's PR site. So let me know what you want, and I'll, I'll invite you the, to a Dropbox you have, folder. You have the, the PSDs? Um, for some stuff. I can, we'll talk. Okay. All all right. My people will get with your people. Yes. I feel like the power of you two combined on this one is something yep. that the world should be concerned uh, about. My, my payment is, though, that you do one for the eMac. So I really need to be able to do that in shortcuts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Four of your great Emac screenshots that you have. You, you know what it, you know what an Emac is? Uh, is that the 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 Newton thing? It's an E mate. It's close. It's an E mate. What's an which E-Mac? is different from a chess mate? 
They're all different things. Zero from a chess mate. Um, there's a note in this section of the document. Um, Steven, you really want folders in shortcuts. Is that right? I do. I don't have a ton of shortcuts. I mean, I probably have probably two dozen. I know lots of people have many more. But even with that number, I find it frustrating that I can't organize them in any way beyond order and color. So I do have like some sort of like color scheme I've created, you know, sort of like this type of thing is this type of color, but it would be nice to to have folders. I know that would, you know, introduce some potential complexity when firing one of these things from something like the share sheet, like they'd have to do some filtering and like get rid of the folders or be an extra tap or something. But at least on that main screen, we were scrolling through that list I think having folders would make it a little easier to deal with. Now, they have to fix the iCloud syncing because, like you said, it completely scrambles them when you turn that on. But I think some just some additional ways to organize these. You know, maybe it's not folders. Maybe it's like things, and you can just have headers. Like, you know, these are my, you know, ones about Todoist. These are my ones about images. These are my ones about alarms. Like, just some way to group these things. Because as, as people, as all of us create more and more of them, it feels like it's getting kind of out of hand when you're looking for something. Yeah, this is one of the uh, one of the features that I really want to see, uh, besides the ability to run shortcuts at specific times or specific locations, instead yes. of having to use stuff like Launch Center Pro or Launcher to have these triggers for shortcuts, I want to have a native uh, automatic trigger feature in, in the Shortcuts app. Uh, I really hope to see folders eventually. Um, I, I, I almost can't believe that, that it's still not a thing four mm-hmm. years after Workflow came out. You mentioned earlier that having the ability to update this app outside of OS releases is good. And I agree, it is good for shortcuts. But it doesn't make me so sad for apps like Mail and Safari and like Notes. Uh, uh, David Sparks wrote a thing today about how he's trying Bear. And one reason is that Notes only gets updates annually, if that. And like, I just wonder if some of these other apps were decoupled from the system they could update them quicker. It's what Google does with like, Google Play services. It can update things like Gmail and Maps separate from Android. And you know, while, I, while iOS is still like this monolithic thing, it just, it's an interesting difference, and I wish more apps would get the attention Shortcuts does. Yeah. Have you guys seen any problems with searching in Notes in iOS 12? I've started to have an issue where like, I have a, f- like a file named, say, like October Tour, and I search the word Tour... And it gives me no results. Mm. I don't think I, I ever search in photo in notes. Yeah, actually. I don't either. Yeah, I do. I, I do. Like just to find a note, right? Because I have lots of notes. I keep a lot of stuff in notes, and and that's just the searching is just getting worse. Like actual text that I have in notes, it's not finding anymore, which is just super weird. But hey ho, this is what happens. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Linode. Linode offer incredible services for people that are looking to have virtual servers. They have a suite of powerful hosting options and their prices start at just $5 a month. You can have your own virtual server up and running in the Linode cloud in under a minute. They have native SSD storage, industry-leading performance, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. These are all available to you as a Linode customer. Linode have 10 data centers that are spread across the world. This means that you can serve your customers faster and faster than ever before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable from 
the command line. All of Lenovo's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. And Lenovo has really great pricing options and customizability that you can take advantage of. Their plans start at $5 a month. This will get you one gigabyte of RAM, but they also have high memory plans as well that start at 16 gigabytes of RAM, so some seriously beefy stuff. As a listener of this show, you can sign up right now at linode.com slash connected. You'll be supporting this show and also getting $20 towards any Linode plans. If you sign up for that one gigabyte of RAM plan, you're going to get four free months to try out Linode for yourself. Linode also have a seven-day money-back guarantee so there's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash connected. You can learn more, sign up, and also take advantage of that $20 credit. Or just use the promo code connected2018, connected2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So we have a lot of Google stuff to talk about. The company had a press event in New York City uh, earlier this week talking about new phones and some other stuff. So I thought we could uh, go through some of the stuff they announced and and kind of talk about it as we go through. So let's start with the Google Home Hub. So I think last year we saw the first like Google Smart Display from Lenovo. So it's like Kind of like the Echo Show, right? Like it's a small tablet and a speaker base you put in your kitchen or somewhere. Uh, some quick specs for y'all. It's got a 7-inch touchscreen LCD. It has a true tone feature. They call it Ambient HQ, where if the, the light is warmer, then the, the screen is warmer, that sort of thing. Uh, a physical mute switch to kill the microphone so it's not listening. And I think perhaps most interesting, there is no camera. So there's no... And they said they made like a conscious decision to not put a camera on it so you could feel comfortable putting it in your bedroom. And there's there's two parts of this. One, which is like the side, which is like, yeah, that is cool. And the other side of like, why should it not be cool? Like the phones that they sell have cameras in them. Well, I I think there's... But anyway. Well, I think it's just the deal... Two things. I think Amazon made it creepy with the drop-in feature. And Google Mm -hmm. could have not picked a better week to announce something without a camera because it was like a day after the Facebook video messenger echo type thing that they've released that yeah, yeah, got yeah. broadly mocked, at least in the circles of Twitter I'm in. So I think it's interesting. I think something in the kitchen, you know, like with a phone, you can put it in the drawer, but it's out all the time. Um, so it's interesting. So this is like, it's googly, right? So it's the, it's the Google Assistant. Uh, their OS is very... Um, it's very nice looking, very colorful, lots of voice interaction, but it's got a touchscreen as well. It can play videos from YouTube, plus YouTube Music, Spotify, Pandora, and iHeartRadio support. So lots of streaming stuff. And they're doing this thing that Amazon's trying to do of like create a centralized location for all of your smart home stuff. So like for me, for instance, I have uh, several Nest cameras, a Nest thermostat. I have a bunch of Hue bulbs. I have some switches or like outlets uh, from iHome. It's like all my stuff works with HomeKit except the Nest stuff. And I got to go into like these individual apps and do things. And I don't have one cohesive place to control all of this stuff because, again, I use Nest products. Well, the Home Hub is designed to kind of bring all that stuff into one interface. So they showed, of course, they have Nest stuff because Google owns Nest. But then they had Hue stuff and other light bulbs and smart switches and they sort of have a, a level of UI above all those third-party apps. You can get a, a good overview of what everything is doing, um, sort of like the TV app does on Apple TV, right? You have 
all of your individual content providers and the TV app is sort of like a layer on top. And I think that's really an interesting approach with smart home stuff because very often we do mix and match brands and HomeKit isn't supported by everybody. So this does have to be supported you know, by the various manufacturers. It seems like they have all the major players here, or at least a lot of them. So I think that's a, that's a pretty, big, pretty big deal. And it's only $149. I, I thought for sure this was going to be $250 bucks or $300. Maybe I'm just used to being an Apple customer. But $149 bucks for a 7-inch Google Home Hub with no camera. Uh, what do y'all think? Um, I like the idea of having this dedicated interface for home stuff. And uh, there's a, this idea that I had of it's kind of like CarPlay, but for your home. So you get this, it's like based on integrations and stuff that you manage on the phone, but it gives you this um, personalized and and different, easier to use probably UI to manage accessories and to manage different features um, that you would also get on the phone, but you get them on this display, which makes more sense for a shared use. Um, I love the, how they sort of, the it doesn't have a home screen, but it shows you actions and how you can swipe down to get this sort of control center for your home. This is so much better. For example, uh, the UI of this of the home, what's it called, home hub, yes. um, and the and also the the new design for the Google Home app on iOS is so much better than what Apple is doing with the Home app on on on, on iOS 12. Even uh, it's like it's colorful. It gives you like actual explanations and for what the buttons do. There's different types of icons. So there's like in the Home app from Apple, everything looks the same. Basically, it's either a rectangle for scenes or a square for all kinds of accessories. And I think it's so much better to have this kind of design where everything is clearly presented and it gives you actions like shortcuts to st- stuff that you can do. Um, there's, it, it just looks better and more intuitive. Um, I think it's great that, the, that it's launching with support for multiple voices and multiple timers. Uh, this is, it feels to me like it's an echo show but done better by Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not interested in this product. I'm not interested in the Google ecosystem. But boy, do I wish that Apple made one of these. Uh, that's my takeaway. Like, I want this, but from Apple, with a better UI than the current home app on iOS. Yeah, it's one thing I, I sort of skipped over. The Google Assistant has multiple voice support. So we can tell you and yep. your significant other apart. They They have a lot of family... Uh, limit stuff now that just like kind of like iCloud does and so you can even set like hey if one of my kids talks to it they only have access to this sort of content or it won't respond to them within these hours Uh, you can set the whole thing in like a do not disturb mode so the screen won't come on all it will do is alarms so it's it seems like it's very flexible very well thought through and I agree with you like I've got Apple Music I'm not interested in any other streaming service uh I do have Nest stuff, so this would be nice. But like having something like this from Apple would be nice, like a HomePod, you know, with a screen. And it seems yep. like it's something all these other companies are doing. If they if it continues to take off, I think Apple will have to look at it. So here's something kind of strange. Uh, I didn't watch this video live. Like I didn't watch their presentation live. I watched the presentation later on in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was recording another show when it was going on. And I thought I would check in and see what was being announced and that kind of stuff. And 
just because I figured if there was anything that I wanted to buy just by looking at the products, I would need to put the order in sooner rather than later. And then I was going to watch the presentation later on in the evening, which I did. And I saw this thing and I was like, huh, that seems interesting. And I pre-ordered it. Like I put a pre-order. Nice. After I watched the video, I canceled my pre-order. Really? And I, I don't really know why. Mm. I just saw it and I was kind of like, Two things, I think, really. It's like, one is like, I don't really think I need this. I don't know 100% really sure where it would go in my life, like where I would put it in my home. And the other was, I think I kind of remembered how frustrating I found the Google Home to be, Hmm. right? Like, And it's some of the frustration that I have with the HomePod, but I find the HomePod to have other advantages in that it sounds really good. But do you remember I had one of those Google Home Minis? And I just found it way too conversation like way too conversational compared to the echo um i just was like it said has way too much to say and when you ask it a question like it's so much more verbiose especially when my echo a couple of days ago said to me like i asked it a question like to turn on the lights or whatever and it just said oh hey by the way if you want i can say less just just let me know like would you want me to do this i can sit make play sounds instead and i was like yeah and now it just says, when I ask it to turn on the lights, it just goes, dunung, like it doesn't say okay anymore. It's kind of funny that like, as I was getting frustrated about my HomePod being too chatty, the Echo was like, ah, oh, I know what I can do. I'll say less. That will make him love me more. Um, so I was kind of just like, if I was going to get one of these things, it would make more sense for me to get an Echo show because... I am more in the Echo camp. Like I'd have to probably change out my other devices for the Google Home. And and at this point, I don't really feel like the Google Home gives me much more that I would really want to use than the Echo ecosystem does. So I decided not to go for it right now. Plus, I found the hardware at the back to be very attractive at the front to be super ugly like the bezel is huge but i don't know why they make such a big thing about having it blend into your home when all of the faces are white considering the bezels are so big like they do a black one but the bezels are white on the front of the screen and that would look terrible in my kitchen because everything else is like it would fit way better if i got the black one but then the front of it's white like i wasn't that impressed with the hardware i actually think like you can see why this thing costs $149. I think that the hardware shows that. I think it not having a camera, that might be one of the reasons it actually doesn't have a camera because they wanted to make this thing $150. Um, but I actually am not impressed really with the way that the hardware looks. Like I actually think, we haven't spoken about it, but the new Echo Show, I think looks better than this one. Did you, have you seen the new Echo Show? Like the Echo Show 2? It's way better than the original. <laughs> Way better. Yeah, and I, I prefer the design of the Echo Show 2 to this Google Home product. Hmm. Um, it, it's just it's kind of, it looks, a, it, you know, it's got black screen on the front. It's a little bit more what I would want in my home. It has the uh, home product fabric like everything else does. Um, but yeah, I, I just figured that I don't really think that this is a device for me purely because, like, I'm not really... I don't want a third assistant at home, right? I don't want to use Siri and Alexa and Google Home. <laughs> you can use them right? all. <laughs> I don't want to use them all. Like, I don't. And 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 I'm 
pretty happy with what I currently have. Uh, I don't know if I need this right now, is kind of my thinking on it. But, That's fair. But there you go. It's like if, if I haven't found enough reason to buy an Echo Show, why would I buy this? Yeah. And that was kind of why I ended up canceling sure. it. Sure. Uh, so let's move on to the Pixel Slate. It is a tablet, a 12-inch tablet that runs Chrome OS, has an optional keyboard and trackpad, a couple hundred bucks, uh, with backlit keys, which is nice, but they're circular, which is kind of weird. Mm. Like... Uh, other recent Chrome OS devices, it runs Android apps, and it's powered by Intel. So you can get a Celeron M3 i5 or i7 CPU. You can price this thing up uh, from $599 all the way to basically $1,700, depending on the specs. It's a, there's, a lot, there's a lot of customizability in this thing, which is interesting. Way more than I thought there would be. Uh, mm-hmm. 3,000 by 2,000 display that puts it at 293 pixels per inch, which is higher than the iPad, but not as high as the iPhone. Eight megapixel front and rear cameras. The front the front camera is sort of wide angled, so you can do video chat a little bit easier. Two front facing speakers, two USB C ports, a fingerprint reader on the power button, no SD card reader, no headphone jack. There are, there is a headphone adapter in the box. I think what's interesting about this is the software that it's running. Chrome OS, uh, Android on tablets seems to be dead. Uh, I think it should be. That never really took off. But in their presentation, Google threw a lot of shades. They, they call things like the Surface too much like a PC and other tablets, who will remain mm-hmm. nameless, kind of too much like a big iPhone. And they think... This annoyed me. Yep. This really angered me yeah. because... They kept going back to this well a lot. And and they were throwing overall way more shade at Apple for saying that like, oh, you know, it's not like a phone app. It's a real app. It's not like a phone OS. It's a real OS. But here's the thing about this. It's like Google don't understand what they're actually selling. Like the only tablets that exist today that are like big phones are Android tablets. Yes. Because Apple has a rich ecosystem of tablet apps, which Google doesn't have, right? Like, so you can use the Chrome browser. That The operating system, Chrome OS, is basically what's in the browser. And it is a, I mean, you know what's really nice? A full version of Chrome. That is super cool because you can use web apps and all that sort of stuff. But if you don't want to use a web app, The only apps that you have are Android apps, and Android apps on tablets are terrible, so you end up with just phone apps. Like, the actual operating system that runs phone apps on a tablet is this one, and that's what I found so interesting about this. It was like, and also in the presentation, they don't even mention the Android apps, because I think they know this, right? They just talk about web apps. That's what they're talking about, Chrome OS apps. And the Android apps are there for where, where companies haven't got in on the Chrome OS thing. And so I just found that, like, I think they should... They, they had a really cool product here, but I think they need to rein in the shade because they can do whatever they want, but this thing's not going to sell very well. And they're going to end up with egg on their face, right? Like, I just don't... Like, most people are going to buy an iPad... If you don't buy an iPad, you're probably going to get a Surface before you're going to get this, unless you're in an education environment, I think. Now, like... There were also, uh, Dieter Bohm got to look at this thing a little bit early and he made a video about it. And, like, a f- I, when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, a full web browser could go a long way for me, right? Like, we use Google Docs all the time, use Google Sheets all the time. But 
I don't always want to use websites. Like I like native apps. I like the way that they feel. I don't always want to use web apps. Yeah, but, and that's but Apple ideally could, what you're using. But Apple could give us both if Safari on the iPad was big boy Safari, and it's not. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But and, like, and that's where yeah. if you, if you live in Google Docs and Google Sheets, something like this is attractive because you get the full the fuller versions. Oh, 100%. I agree with that. And that's what they should have spent more time pitching rather than just trying to say that they had the best product when I don't think that they do here. As well, something that was interesting, MKBHD did a video about the Pixel, which we'll talk about in a bit. But he called this out specifically that the OS on this device was super glitchy. And you can see it in Deed to Bones video, but he makes literally no mention of the fact that like using this thing looks like a train wreck right now and it could be that it's early like when i don't even know if they said when this is shipping but on the google website right now like at least for me in the uk it just says to join the waiting that's all list I get here so maybe too. they still that's, have yeah, that's all there is okay so they, they it's probably too early and that's why i mean i hope that's why it looks so bad because yeah. it was super jittery but i just think that Google have come a long way in their presentations and they seem to in you know and they do with the pixel they throw some shade at Apple but I think in some interesting ways I think that this was misguided and they were trying way too hard and I think that I think this is going to come back to bite them a little bit when the reviews come out but we'll wait and see. Yeah, I think it's a uh... <laughs> interesting to see the least that they're just pretending that nobody is getting work done on on the iPad Pro at this moment. Uh, I every time I I see this sort of you know these companies making fun of other tablets or just people in general writing these articles about uh, tablets today, um, I thought that this this was a discussion that was over three years ago with the iPad Pro, uh, but it, it feels like some people still want to sort of try and make that point again when the facts just are just speaking for themselves. There's a rich ecosystem of native tablet apps on the App Store. There's some crazy stuff that you can do on an iPad Pro today. Yes, it could be better. Yes, it could use a desktop browser. Uh, yes, we need more desktop desktop not even desktop class that's not a term that i like but actual desktop apps on the ipad there's photoshop coming there's illustrator coming but we need more but to say that the current ipad os is a big fun os that is besides being completely false uh it just it it betrays this kind of uh i don't know it it just not it's just not cool to the point where I want to see what happens when these reviews come out and if any re- reviewers will point out the difference with differences between the Slate and the and the iPad Pro or even the Surface, which is an excellent tablet uh, for different use cases. Uh, I just think it's funny that you can just pretend it's it, other tablets don't exist or are not are not good. You can buy it. you can't buy this right now, but like I'm pretty sure that I am going to buy it just so I can review it on this show or whatever. Because I really feel like because even in Dieter Bone's video, he's like saying that you can't work on an iPad, but you can probably work on this thing. And it's just like I really okay. don't I mean, I, I think that a lot of a lot of reviewers are coming to this in like a an interesting way that I don't fully understand. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's like they say that because you don't have a full web browser, you can't use Google Docs, but like that's... Well, I mean, if, you're, but like, if your company uses a CMS that depends on having a desktop browser, sure, you cannot get work done on an iPad. And that's, that's probably true. it for a lot of these people, right? That like, 
they can't get their work done. Mm -hmm. So they just assume nobody can work yeah. on it. Where I think for people that do, it's the difference. Like, I can. I know that not everybody can't, can. I can't do all my work on an iPad. I can do most of it. But I do want to be able to compare these two things because I, it, I, I think I will be surprised at how much of my work I can do really comfortably on a device like this because of how much time I do spend in Google products. Um, so, And I really wish they would have focused more on that as opposed to being like, we've solved it, guys. Don't worry. Like, Google's come and saved the day. Like, it just seems super strange to me. It is funny to me that this thing has two USB-C ports because, like, laptops can't do that in some instances. Like, Microsoft just announced a bunch of Surface stuff which has no USB-C ports on it, which is wild. Like, I, I'm really surprised about that. But, like, it's, it annoys me because this looks like a cool product, but, like, their overall rhetoric has frustrated me. Um, but it has a keyboard, and the keyboard has a trackpad, which is super cool. It has um, a kind of a case that comes with the keyboard, which allows for adjustability of angle, which is good. But the keyboard is not, like, firmly attached to the case, which basically makes it unusable in your lap. This is like that Logitech Create case, the newer one, which I hated, Yeah. right? Like, if the keyboard doesn't have a firm connection to the to the tablet, when you're trying to type on it on your lap, the keyboard's just, like, going wild, right? Like, it, it's, it just goes everywhere. So this is not really a lappable thing, I think, um, but it will be really good on tables because it has an adjustable viewing angle, which is something that I wish Apple would have solved, which is why I use the bridge keyboard for my iPad Pro because it has the adjustable um, angles on it, which I really like. But, yeah, it's like... I, I wish that they didn't rile me up so much because I think I'd be more excited about this. This, But, like, I could have taken one, like, hit of this. It's like, okay, cool, I get what you're doing. But the whole presentation was just dripping in this, like, don't worry, guys, we solved it. When Google's history for these types of devices hasn't been that great so far. Yeah. So I, I feel like it should take but, a step But, I mean, back. how else are they going to pitch it? Right, like they get up there and be well, like, they, as I said, they they didn't have to go so hard, right? Like they could have they could have pitched it for what the product actually is, which is this is the best Chrome OS device you can buy, and there are people that will be able to get their work done on it. As, and you can say that without then saying, oh, it's not like those phone OSs. Oh, and it's not like a, uh, it you know, it's not like some rubbish thing which has a fan in it. Like you don't need to bash everyone else to say that your product's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just I don't take it as personally as y'all do. But there's a there's a few things that I can't get work done on a Mac. That's what they said. Did you hear him say that? I mm -hmm. heard them say that. No, are you upset now? Huh? Um, <laughs> there's a few things that I like. Um, there's a there's the the home screen, whatever you want to call it, um, on the slate has these actions, these uh, launchers that are suggested uh, through machine learning. If you remember, a few episodes ago here on Connected, we were speculating about how could Apple improve, improve the iOS home screen next year. And one idea that I shared was, what if in the future, in addition to icons uh, on the home screen, you could also get shortcuts uh, suggested by the system, or you could manually pin some of your favorite shortcuts and this is kind of the this is kind of the idea right uh on the slate you will get these actions uh which have a different name on android i'm not sure what what they're called probably shortcuts or actions um but you have them at the top of the home screen and they are suggested by the os which i think is interesting and something that i would also like apple to explore um there's a, the power button as a fingerprint sensor in it so uh again 
Apple is probably going to dispense with Touch ID uh, to make room for Face ID, but it's always fascinating to me how these companies are finding ways to uh, to sort of tuck the all the the fingerprint sensor into different buttons that are not actually home buttons, which uh, it's, I think it's fascinating. Uh, the keyboard supports multiple angles, which I like. Um, I f- uh, I thought it was fascinating that Google made a comment on the design of the round keys uh, in the interview with Dieter Bone at the Verge. Uh, the one of the project managers said that while it looks strange initially, uh, Google did a bunch of user testing and they realized that the round shape for the keys, this is where we actually need Jason Snell on the show, uh, they... they they discovered that users were making fewer mistakes, so fewer typos, after getting used to the round design of the key. Um, it looks like a typewriter to me, um, like one of the old mm-hmm. typewriters that my dad used to have. Not sure about it, but it looks cool. And there's a bigger point that I really want Apple to rethink the smart keyboard as an actual keyboard with backlit keys, and probably a trackpad too. But still, I want an actual keyboard with plastic keys that are backlit and the, that it looks and behaves like a computer keyboard. And a trackpad. And a trackpad. Um, yeah, the, also USB-C, um, there's a, what would you call this, follow-out? Mike, I need to mention something that you guys are saying on Upgrade. Uh, yeah, if, okay, follow-out. The idea of adding USB-C to the iPad Pro, to the to the future version of the iPad Pro, um, the rumor uh, from 9to5Mac saying that uh, Apple is doing this to use external displays. I also wrote, I think in the iOS review, maybe Mike, you, you actually read this out loud, or maybe it was another post on Mac Stories. There should be a way to plug in a USB drive uh, via USB-C and mm-hmm. have that be a location of the files app. So you, yeah, you've said this for the last couple of years in the review. You should have you, you should have the option to plug in a drive, and it's not like uh, you get a you get a <laughs> hard drive icon on your home screen. You just get a location uh, in the files app. Uh, Apple already has a. If Apple add a USB-C port to the iPad and don't do this, it's like a slap yes, in the face. Yes. So. Uh, the Slate has two USB-C ports good on them that's a good idea I really hope that Apple switches to USB-C on the iPad too there'll only be one of them though yeah one of them not two there's only gonna be one there's not gonna be two if they do add it Johnny doesn't like two ports there can be only one Mm -hmm. no he doesn't all right, let's talk about the phones. But before we do, let's thank Squarespace for their support. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. Squarespace have the ability for you to register a unique domain name so you can give your website the brand that you want. They give you the ability to customize award-winning beautiful templates so you can make your website look and feel exactly how you want. And they have 24-7 customer support in case you need absolutely any help with what you're working on they also have great guides and stuff like that which i've used in the past you know if sometimes you don't need to talk to somebody they have really great help and support documentation i really love squarespace i have used them for i don't even i can't even count how many projects over the last 10 years or so because they can let you build just about any type of website you want they have online store functionality they have blog functionality they have the ability for you to add a bunch of cooler or plugins like you can one thing that we used, we, we bought our wedding website on Squarespace and we were able to take in people's menu responses because we set up like a form 
on the website and then it filled in a google sheet on the back end so cool and like i wouldn't have even known how to do it like we would have had to send like a google form to people which is kind of not really that elegant but just send like hey go to our website and just fill this information in it's super cool they even have like template options for weddings specifically so they like build the navigation and then you just change and fill in what you need to there is nothing to install nothing to patch or upgrade squarespace is an all-in-one platform their plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you can try it out for yourself right now. Just go to squarespace.com slash connected and you can try out try out their free trial. You can build your whole site and then when you're ready to publish it to the world, you just sign up for one of their plans and you can use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You'll also show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10 to 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So let's uh, let's move on and talk about the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL. They have a similar two-tone design to last year. So it's like a, a color and then like a glass window at the top that's a similar color but a different finish. They've retained that, but they've made it all glass on the back. So like one glass has like a different finish. And no uh, two-tone course... design this year, which is a real shame. I love that two-tone one. You like the white and black? What? No, no, it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The panda one's gone, but I mean, like the panda's. It's gone. like white and like off-white. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like two slightly different um, finishes, colors in the same color. They have a white one, a black one, and a pink one. Yes. Uh, what it's called? Not pink. I kind of like. Not pink. I like their names. <laughs> I like their names. Yeah. Like I think that they're kind of cute, and it's like it's like a funny name. Like what do they call them? Like it's like not pink. Just and... just black. Clearly white. Not pink. I like those names. I don't. I can't tell you why, but I just like them. I feel like I should be. I should be in charge of making these names. I feel like this is something that I would be good at. I like actually somewhat, agree with that. Somewhat orange. Or uh, kind of purple. Like, I, I would love to, like, as a job, I would love to be the color chooser yep. for Google. Did so, you guys like, notice, like, throughout this presentation, the kind of Apple-y, like, way that they were doing things? Like, where they had their, like, head designer talking about their design process and they had videos and stuff. Did you notice that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I found that yeah. interesting, right? And also, like, I kind of agree with it because I kind of feel like, they are doing good jobs with their design and that they should be able to talk about it in a similar way that Apple does if they believe that they are being as focused. But I just found it was like an interesting change and and I kind of welcomed it because I want to see a little bit more about that stuff at Google. I think they know they're playing in a world where that sort of stuff is important to show off. You know, Apple does it. Samsung started it. Especially when they're charging the same prices. We will get to that. Uh, very so expensive. the big deal with the Pixel, of course, mm-hmm. is the the camera. So the rear is a, now a 12.2 megapixel camera. They've added a bunch of software stuff. Uh, it does seem like it's an improved hardware. They they didn't they weren't super clear about hardware differences. I didn't think not the way Apple normally is, but uh, new software including uh, Top Shot, which selects the best image automatically taken from a burst series. Um, They've got some stuff where if you want to take a selfie, you just pick up and it sort of knows what's going on and takes the picture for you. And there's still just a single camera where everyone else has two, now three cameras in some cases. But on the front, they did add a second one. So the front 
facing camera, you have the regular selfie camera, and now you have what they call a group selfie camera with a wide 97 degree lens. So it's not it's not fisheye. Like the pictures look pretty good uh, from their their sample photos. But you know, if you're taking a group shot, you don't have to squeeze everybody in. Now it's a little bit a little bit easier, which I think is great. It makes a lot of sense for how people use these things. It is definitely a good practical use. It is just kind of funny to me that like Google feel like they're proving a point with one camera on the back, but they put two on the front. And it is true. Like they don't for everything that all other companies are adding multiple cameras on the back of a phone for, they're doing all of that stuff in software and it still seems like they're better at it than anybody else's, right? For like they even they're even I mean, I'm super keen to see what this looks like. They're using AI to do software zoomed photos now. And like so you can zoom and apparently it's gonna look really good because they're using a like the shaking of your hands. It's like all this weird AI stuff that they're doing. But like, you know, they they seem to be saying we only need one camera on the back as long as it's a good camera and we can fix everything in software. But the idea of having more people in a selfie, I actually kinda like this. I think I would actually really like this feature personally, right? To have a wider angle lens when needed for, for group pictures would be kinda cool. Um, they, they showed some stuff that they have a new, like low light mode, um, that they've given a name to it's like night light or something. I, I can't remember the exact name, but they showed a, a picture, one taken on the iPhone XS and one on the pixel three. And again, as with Apple, all these pictures, they show the best ones possible. But if this is true and that is the difference in uh low light photography, my word, like that is huge. It right? looks really good. It, it, it seems like like it's sort of impossible, actually. Yeah, it almost feels like that was a. I don't know. I'm sure it's not the case, but it looks like it, it, the 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 picture on the tennis was taken taken badly on purpose. Almost like it's too like the the comparison is too good in favor of the Pixel 3. The, as I say, these things always, they always choose the best things possible, but like, even if it's like half the way there, uh-huh. right? Like it's going to oh, no, be totally. a hugely noticeable difference. So this is one of those things where like, I'm just waiting for MKBHD to show exactly. me some photos yes. now, right? Yes. Like, and then I'm going to know. Um, but it is super interesting. And talking about MKBHD, he did a real good video. He got an exclusive. Well, he's wearing a peacock shirt in his video too, which is so awesome for James. Like, it's very cool. Uh, but like, he kind of said that it's kind of weird that all of the enhancements that Google are talking about, and they kind of confirmed it to him too in the camera, they're all software. There's n- except for that selfie thing. The hardware is doing none of the advancements. Google are charging like a lot more money for these phones. They're like, what? how much more are they? They're like $150 more in some cases. And it seems like, you know, except for the fact that there is a bigger screen, right, um, on, on them too. But like all of the enhancements that they seem to be talking about are software enhancements. And so it's, it's like a real interesting thing. And they're saying they're not going to bring it to the other phones. It's just for the three line. I mean, and that's, you know, we talk about this of Apple, right? Like, that is Google's prerogative to do this. It's just, in, I just find it interesting, especially with the camera stuff, where they have a bunch of new camera features, but they're all software features. It's not being enabled by different hardware on the devices, where it seems like 
at least some of what Apple's doing, or at least what they're saying, is is enabled by hardware for the smart HDR because they got the neural chip or whatever. So there's uh, something that I'm really interested in called uh, it's like autofocus, but basically you it's like tap to focus on the iPhone. You tap what you want, and the focus follows it. So if a dog yes. or a kid is sort of running back and forth in the frame, the focus will follow it. 100% Apple should copy this. Like I want yes, this please so do. badly on my iPhone. Yes, this would be would be perfect because my dogs they do not want to pose for pictures unless we have plenty of trees. <laughs> so, uh yes, please copy autofocus for puppies and babies. Uh thank you. This is an excellent idea. It's yeah. have a great brand name there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is good. I think out of all the stuff they announced on the camera, this is a thing of like, oh man, like I, this is really oh, smart. Yeah really smart yeah i think this is just not a thing that i need because i don't have puppies or babies don't but, you have a, like i can see why it would be cool you got a roomba the roomba moves around not that fast though you could ask adina to run around the house and take pictures of her could be annoying. right but that's the specific yeah. thing that i'm then requesting like that's my own fault mm. she just typically yeah. doesn't do she's that. not a fast-moving uh, wife uh mike <laughs> <laughs> If she wants to be, sure. But like, I don't really know if I take pictures of her in those moments. What is happening? So yeah, I think I think the Pixel Three is going to continue to be at the top of the heap when it comes to smartphone cameras. Yeah, I think that yeah. the the Pixel well, I mean, Two. The, everyone's saying the Two is still better. Yeah, yeah a like, year later. So <laughs> I am super keen to see how this ends up looking. I did that. We talked about Google's positioning earlier, and they're still finding their way in these events, and so maybe they overstepped in some things. But they said multiple times that how honored they were that the Pixel 2 was still regarded the best in a year of like really good phones. Like, yes, yeah. they, they compared directly to the 10s, but like they're, they, they seem to understand that they're the new kids on the block and that they are trying to uh, respect that in a way that I found sort of refreshing. Like, yes. So, yeah. You- so, can I just say, like, considering I got so upset a moment ago, like, yeah. all of the stuff around the Pixel, I think they did right in comparing it to others. Like, they said they were better in places that we all know they are, right? Right. And they were also really humble. And, like, this is on a product that exists that is successful, where the slate is this new thing, and they're already coming in and saying it's better than everything else. So, like, I, I thought their positioning on the Pixel stuff especially was really good, because they mm-hmm. were saying, and I really liked it, where they were like, people say that it's the best camera still, and we're, like, super honored about that, because there are all these other great cameras that have come out in the last year. And it's like, that is a really cool way to show your number one. Like, it's a humble brag. They did a good job of it, and yeah. I thought that they positioned that well. Me too. It's got a, a couple of things to talk about. There's a $79 wireless uh, stand that sort of puts it up at an angle that enables some like hands-free Google Assistant stuff. They're not the first to do this. In fact, the Palm Pre in WebOS had a dock mode that if you put it on its <laughs> touchstone charger, it did some things. So just saying. Just saying. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no headphone jack. Last year with the Pixel 2, they made a big deal that they still had the headphone jack. They got rid of it this year. <laughs> there was no explanation of it. It's just gone. So I mean, what's you know. the explanation, right? Everybody's doing it because there's no that's explanation. It, that, the explanation is everybody's explanation. doing it. <laughs> so so the, yeah. the the Pixel Slate, to back up for a second, also no headphone jack. And in the Dieter Bone video, he asked them about that. He says, well, you know, people are using Bluetooth on their phones, and so we figure they're, you know, they don't want to carry wired and wireless, so we'll just go Bluetooth everywhere. It's like, well, that's sort of a, a backwards that's way. A non, th- that's a non-answer yeah. answer. Yeah. Oh, everyone got rid of it on their phones, including our new phones. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, what can you do? 
Uh, the sizes are a little bit bigger. So the Pixel 3 is 5.5 inches up from 5 before. It starts at $799 for a 64 gigabyte model. 100 extra bucks gets you 128 gigs of storage. That is more expensive than last year. Uh, as we will see, this is a, uh, a refrain with the Pixel 3 this year that they are more more expensive. And they are trying to position themselves as the, if you want a really clean Android experience and you want nice hardware, in some cases the best hardware you can buy, then you're going to pay for it. They're trying to position yeah. these as premium phones. Where like the Nexus line back in you know the distant past was not that. Uh, the Pixel is like the premium Android phone. Uh, but it's still less than a lot of Samsung flagship phones and uh, less than if you're going to buy like a like an iPhone XS Max. So they are cheaper than other flagships, but they are more expensive than they used to be. And, it, and it, you know, and again, I've been I follow a lot of like tech reporters and people that are maybe even more focused on Android. But it does seem like the general rhetoric is like it's more expensive for a reason that we can't find. Like, yeah, it's not. If there was a second camera on the back, like, okay, like, yeah, that doesn't really justify $150, but, like, I understand I'm getting something. Or, like, a material difference, right? Yeah. Like, the, the, the materials are the same. They're still using glass, you know, like, again, it's, like, it's all excuses, but, like, Apple used stainless steel, right, which is more expensive, like, whatever, you know, like, it's one of the reasons that there's the difference in pricing between the 10s and the 10R is the materials used on the device, so... We got to talk about the 3XL though. So once again, the little yeah. Pixel and the Big Pixel phone have different designs. So this year, the 3XL is 6.3 inches up from six inches before. But my friends, it has a notch. And Google says, Google says it has an edge-to-edge design. That I, I would argue with that. It still has a pretty big chin. They actually didn't. The way okay, so the way they explained it on stage, I wrote it down because it was so funny to me. The, the, the presenter says this display extends all the way to the upper corners. And I was like, oh yeah, because the bottom, right? <laughs> it's not going to the corners on the bottom, is it? And I thought that was like a really funny like way that they positioned it. And they try and say, like, I mean, well, they do say the reason that there is that space on the bottom is for the front-facing stereo speakers. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe. I mean, yes, that's probably true. I don't know how important that is. Like, I'm sure it's nice to have front-facing stereo speakers, but I don't know if front-facing stereo speakers is worth not having the screen space. Now, I, I would wonder how many people, if they ask them, right, we're going to move the speaker down to the bottom now, like where it is on the iPhone, and you're going to get more screen space. So they would say, no, no, please, please, my stereo speakers. Like, I don't think that's a, a thing a lot of people would say. Um, it Like, the notch is really big. Uh, the no- I think the notch is bigger than pretty much any other phone that has a notch. I think it is made to look even bigger by the fact that there's the chin on the bottom of the phone. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is a particularly good-looking phone, to be honest. Uh, like, I, I, I'm, I liked the way the old Pixels looked when they came out. Um, I'm not sure that I'm convinced on the way the screen looks on this thing. I, I don't think they've done an incredible job with the the way this thing looks on the front. Yeah, I I agree. Um, it. it it looks bigger and the it the angles are sharper going into it so it doesn't feel as um as sort of gradual in a way that the that the yeah. 10 does there's something yeah. about the 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 way that it cu- cuts out of the border that feels more aggressive and i think it makes it look bigger 
And that's probably just because they've tried to minimize the amount, right? Because it's going so deep that they've made the corner quite sharp, so it's yeah. not taking even more of the screen than it needs to. Yeah, I kind of wish that they had not done the notch and that they looked the same. And even though that would mean the XL has to be bigger to fit all that stuff up there, it just it doesn't look doesn't look great. Uh, and mm-hmm. again, it's super weird that these phones are so different from each other when like. The iPhone way to do it, like the Samsung, like between the Galaxy S9 and the Galaxy S9 Plus, and even the Note, like that's all pretty much the same design language, just scaled up. Yeah. And how old does the Pixel Three look now? Like it looks with the, like with a the really borders. old phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's they've got some way to they got some some way to go, and and there's there are rumors with the past ones you know, that it was like a an HTC or somebody else, you know, basically they picked up a phone they were working on and, and made it a pixel. And I don't know if anyone knows for sure about these phones, but clearly it's not, it doesn't have the design either time or the engineering experience. Something about it isn't to the par of Apple and Samsung yet. I think they'll get there. I mean, this is only their third round. You know, the iPhone 3GS wasn't great either. The Galaxy S3 wasn't great. It's like, it takes time to, to really kind of understand how this goes together. But, um, the 3XL will cost you $899 for the 64 gig and 1000 bucks for the 128 So, again, more expensive than previous years. They ship uh, here in just a, a week or so. Uh, looking now, October 18th is the date here in the U.S. for most of them. Some of them are pushed out to November 1st. I think that's the date uh, in other countries as well. But pretty soon they'll be out in the world. And I expect we'll see full reviews here you know, in the next week or so. I have ordered one. Oh, boy. Um, two reasons. I ordered a Pixel 3 XL ship in November. Um, we're going to be in New York when this thing is available. So like if I can pick one up in New York, I will and just cancel my order because it's, it's a it's like two weeks later it ships outside of the US. So there's two reasons that I bought this phone. I was probably going to get one anyway, because I like to have an Android phone around. Like I always like to play around with the new version of Android so I can kind of compare it to iOS and I don't like. I really don't like the feeling of being out of touch. Um, even though I don't spend a lot of time talking about Android, I just like to know what's out there. The other thing is, I hear a lot about the cameras, and like I can see what the pictures that people take, and but I want to do my own comparison because I feel like I'm spending so much time now just kind of like saying the Pixel Two camera is better because I hear people say it. Who's I trust like and I'm not saying that they're wrong but like I want to see like what does it look like when I take a picture on the Pixel 3 compared to the 10s Max and like so I really have an idea of just how much better it is you know so that these are kind of like the two big reasons that I wanted to do this and there's like a lot of little things right like I want to see like how does Android deal with a notch compared to how iOS deals with a notch and um, I'm intrigued by the hardware itself and, and stuff like that. So I I have an original Pixel, um, which has lasted me you know for a couple of years now, and then I'll get this one, and it will probably last me for two or three more years um, until I wanna wanna upgrade. But there was enough in this one compared to the old one, where like the camera has jumped so significantly since the original Pixel that like I've become significantly intrigued again because. I find myself on a daily basis being absolutely astounded at how good the camera is on the 10s Max, right? Like, I am con- continually blown away, like, where I keep going, like, look how good this looks. Like, it happens all the time. So I, how good will I feel about this camera if it if we expect it's going to be 
even further ahead and and I want to kind of see what that looks like yeah. myself as opposed to sure. just looking at sample images or listening to what other people have to say. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've had an Android phone for forever. I have a Nexus 5X right now and I've, I've held off because I was waiting on the Pixel 3. So I haven't ordered yet, uh, but I will probably pick up the smaller one just because it's not going to be a primary phone for me uh, and, and spend some time with it. For all the same reasons you said, I, I need to be up on it for work uh, I like having uh, a phone. You have way more reason than I do, yeah. right? Like download go- talks about yeah. this stuff like extensively. Right. So I, I need to so. to do that, and uh, so I will order a uh, a smaller one um, here probably in a couple of weeks. I'm let the dust settle a little bit. Make sure there's nothing crazy wrong. Uh, they've had some quality issues in the past with early phones, but um, but yeah, I think I think it's exciting. I think I think this is an important phone. In the world, because it it can serve as a you know it's it is a flagship phone, but it's not like Samsung holds that title in the Android world and other brands uh, or even ahead of Google. But I think it's important that Google has a phone so they can set the example of what an, an Android phone can be. And for you know this is an enthusiast device; they're not going to sell in the numbers of the iPhone or the Galaxy phones do. But for Android enthusiasts who want a really pure version, you know, they've been limited to things like the the OnePlus series or, uh, you know, other phones sort of in that range. And if you want something nicer than that, but you want a clean experience, you want Google's take on Android, then this is the phone that you buy. And I think if you're in that camp, this is a great upgrade if you're coming from an original Pixel or, you know, a Nexus 6P or something. Federico, how many are you going to um, buy? Five. Each, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Wow. No, you just hand them out to all your friends yes. and family? Uh, no, I'm not going to buy any of this. Uh, um, I don't think I... I just I just don't don't want to. Like, uh, when I want to play with Android, um, I like to be informed, so I'm going to watch videos and I'm going to watch reviews. I just don't want to spend money on a phone that I'm, that I'm going to keep in a drawer just to check out every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think it's... It, which is the actual sensible thing to do. No, I mean, I totally got it. Like, No, it is. like Because I will use it for a period of time, and then the majority of time it will sit yeah. on a shelf. Like, It is way more sensible to not do it, but there is a part of me that just wants it because it's a cool new toy, and there's a part of me that, that does genuinely believe that I will get value from it. So, But then you'll hear me and Stephen talk about it, and then that's all you need, you know? You can be like the wonderful connected listeners who get their information from us. Yeah, I can say my friends are saying that. Uh, you know, I can say uh, sources tell me that the Pixel yep. takes good photos. And sources is Mike and Steven. Uh, sorry that I just blew your cover. Um, well, you're man. my source. Yeah, it's fine. All right. So if you want to find show notes this week, stuff we talked about, head over to relay.fm slash connected slash 213. Of course, those links are also right here in your podcast app of choice. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Linode, and PayPal for making the show possible. If you have feedback or follow-up or questions or comments, you can send us an email from that page on Relay FM, or you can find us on Twitter. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And of course, Federico is also the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, the home for all the finest shortcuts material you could ever need. Plus, lots more app reviews, game reviews, all sorts of good stuff. You can find Mike on Twitter as I M Y K E. And Mike is the host of a whole plethora of shows here on Relay FM. If you like Connected, 
You'll probably go find something else that uh, Mike makes that you would like. You can find me as ISMH, and I write and host the 512 Pixels YouTube channel. So, uh, you know, like and, like and subscribe, as the kids say. I think that's it. So until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.